Here comes Barkov moving in. Up ahead for Hagee. Back for Barkov and he scores! A gorgeous goal for Hagee to Barkov and it's 2-0. on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Uh, I say that very unconvincingly because we are four minutes into the Canada-Morocco match. Canada's final match at the World Cup, and, uh, you know, I, I know I'm reacting in the moment, but quite frankly, it's embarrassing, and it's they're becoming unglued. Uh, they're down 1-0 to Morocco on one of the most egregious errors you'll see from a team at this level. Fourth minute, Stephen Vittoria, the center back, hits a back pass to the goalie, Milian Borjan. Which wasn't a good one. It was under hit. Yeah, it didn't have enough pace on it. But Borjan got to the ball ahead of the Moroccan striker. Instead of thumping the ball down the pitch and knocking it into safety, Borjan tried to take a touch. It might have tried to be a pass, but it looked like a really heavy touch. Right into the path of Chelsea's Hakim, or, um, yeah, Hakim Ziyech. Ziyech puts the ball into a wide open cage with Borjan left about 25 yards up the pitch. And it's 1-0. Morocco, four minutes in. Uh, you can sense a disappointment in my voice, I'm sure. I uh, That was one of the more embarrassing goals you'll ever see surrendered in a World Cup. Like, that's going to make the bloop bloops and everything else. That's yeah. going to be... Uh, I don't know how else to say it. It's going to be It's going to be a really ugly footnote. And this isn't just me overreacting in real time. Everyone else saw it as well. And it's, it's a gaff of epic proportions. Wouldn't happen if he was wearing the sweatpants. Probably not. Not a lot of people wear sweatpants in the desert, but I suppose you could have made an exception. If they clearly the hold luck, all his power. If only for the luck factor. Okay. Uh, we need to refocus here. This is your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Uh, we are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios. It is time now to focus on tonight's game between the Canucks and the Florida Panthers. Joining us now for the Panthers side of things is George Richards from Florida Hockey now here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, George. How are you? Good morning. What's going on, boys? Not much. We are trying to prep tonight's game, having a furious debate about uh, Roberto Luongo's career and trajectory here in Vancouver, and then watching the World yeah. Cup as well. So it's a busy morning here in Vancouver. Um, yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. I, you know, there's a lot that I want to get into about the Florida Panthers here this season, the Kachuk trade, the sort of middling start to the season, George. But, uh, you know, yeah. we just had this hour-long debate. And I'm sure you're aware of it, but if you're not, uh, they made the announcement yesterday, the Canucks did, that um, Roberto Luongo is going to be in the ring of honor, and his number one is not going to be raised to the rafters like it was in Florida. Uh, I'm curious right. to get your thoughts on this decision, given that Luongo's jersey number one is indeed hanging in the rafters in Florida. Oh, well, I think it's you know obviously a great honor for Lou, or Bobby Lou. You guys called him that. Uh, we just called him Lou. We didn't add the Bobby, just the Lou. Um <laughs> Um, I, I think, you know, I, he meant so much to both franchises, um, you know, uh, obviously in Florida where it, where it all kind of took off for him. Um, then he gets traded to Vancouver and, and becomes one of the, you know, I don't know, uh, biggest names in the game, right, in, in, in goal anyway, that, you know, with the whole captaincy of the thing. And then you guys go to the Stanley Cup finals and um, all that stuff. And then it then it starts to deteriorate and he ends up back in Florida 
Um, you know, I, I think there's an argument that could be made that the number one goes up in the rafters in, in, in Vancouver um, or just the, 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 the ring of honor, whatever the, the whatever it's called. But, you know, either way, you know, the, Vancouver had to honor him in some way. I mean, he is a Hockey Hall of Famer, and I don't think he's a Hockey Hall of Famer if he spends his whole career with Florida. You know, he had to go to Vancouver to kind of get that. So this might be a bit of a weird question, but what was it about Roberto Luongo that made him so special to the Florida Panthers and their fans? Because, like you said, like he, he never came close to winning the Stanley Cup yeah. with, with the Panthers. I I don't think he played in the playoffs. Um, Once. Once. He put, so he played, but but that was after his return to Florida, like before before right. he spent a few years there, uh, of course starting with the Islanders and then goes to Florida and put up amazing numbers. But the team in front of him wasn't very good. So what was it about Luongo that that created that relationship between him and the fans? I think it was because the team was so bad in front of him that he was the only beacon of light uh, with the Panthers, those, those, uh, you know, 2000 to 2004. And then, you know, then that last year, um, look at the numbers, look at the shots that he faced. I mean, my goodness, um, you know, he led the NHL in shots faced like three years in a row. He'd play like 75 games. I mean, he was just a workhorse and he was the only thing that, that even gave the Florida Panthers a chance back then um, when he returned, you know, he was kind of a superstar um, when, when he returned. And, and, and I think that, you know, people here just, you know, they, you know, it's just something about the guy. I mean, he's, he's a heck of a heck of a guy, great in the community and, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty darn good goaltender. So let's talk about this Florida Panthers team as it stands right now. Um, obviously they made a pretty big addition in Matthew Kachuk, but they also lost quite a few players, uh, Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie Weger, uh, Mason Marchment, Anthony Duclair has been injured, um, and is maybe close to returning. Um, am I missing anyone else that they lost from the roster? Uh, no, that's probably pretty much it. I mean, I mean, Declare's not close to coming back. Oh, he, oh okay. Sorry. Saying. He is not. Sorry. No, he hasn't even started skating yet. Um, it's an Achilles thing. Um, he had surgery on the Achilles. So, uh, once he starts skating, you're looking at a month to six weeks oh, okay. um, of practice and then, you know, going to the AHL for rehab. And that's in a perfect cap world because Florida is not going to rush him. They wouldn't rush him anyway, but they're certainly not rushing him now because they have to make a you know, a trade or a cut or somebody's got to go up back on long-term to, to, to get him in. So, so how does the team look right now? Not good, Bob. Um, they haven't been <laughs> very good. Um, you know, they've lost three in a row, although they probably should have won, you know, they did Saturday night, they lose to St. Louis. They come into the third with a four, one lead and end up losing in overtime. Uh, the other night in Edmonton, they've got a three, two lead in the final seconds. Edmonton ties it and then wins it right away in overtime. Um, so they're, they're getting some points, uh, but, you know, this has been a rough stretch for them. I mean, listen, three games in four nights uh, the, 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 with, the, with the first game starting in South Florida and then you got a six-hour flight to play the back-to-back. You know, a lot of teams, I think, would struggle in that, and they got a point out of it. I'm uh, not making any excuses, but, I mean, that's just the reality of life. I mean, they, they looked dead in Calgary the other night. So, um Listen, this isn't last year's team. Uh, Paul Maurice is the you know trying to establish a more defensive focused 
team taken away. This team just flew through people last year. But then you saw in the first round against Washington when the space disappeared, this team had some some real trouble generating stuff. So they're trying to change the way they play. I think they'll go back a little bit to the more open style as the season wears on. I think they just have to establish um, a certain way to, to play in the playoffs because, you know, they, they obviously were embarrassed with that three-goal in four-game performance against the Lightning. So did Paul Maurice, the new head coach, come in and basically say we're gonna we're gonna change that wide open style and we're gonna we're gonna clamp down and we're gonna be a team that um, can be successful, obviously, in the regular season because you got to make the playoffs. But once we hit the playoffs, our style of play will better suit those playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I don't think Paul Maurice came in and said that. I think that Paul Maurice was hired to do that. I mean, I think that's what the front office wanted, um, and, and and they felt that Paul Maurice is a guy that could do that because listen. You know, he's he's been around, what, 25 years? I mean, he coached the Hartford Whalers, for God's sakes. He's been around forever. Um, when this team is going through things that they're going through right now, I don't think that his spirit is going to be broken and you just panic and change things. He's got a, He's got that veteran hand. They're going to stay the course. They're going to work their way through it. They're going to improve through it. Um, and, and, you know, we'll just see what happens. But, no, I think this was a directive from the top that that's the way that the Panthers need to play, and, and, and Paul Maurice was brought in to, to, to run it that way. We're speaking to George Richards from Florida Hockey Now here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The Panthers are in town tonight. They take on the Canucks 7 o'clock from Rogers Arena. Uh, if you look at the Panthers' goaltending this season, George, uh, it is a dead split in terms of games played between the 21-year-old Spencer Knight and the 34-year-old. Sergei Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky obviously has the big ticket and the big contract. Spencer Knight has the more remarkably better numbers here. Uh, how has this situation played out so far? Because they do have an even split, but the success levels are obviously quite different. And how do you see yeah. this playing out for the remainder of the year? Well, I don't know how it's going to play out the remainder of the year, but for right now, it's Spencer Knight. Spencer Knight is the Panthers' starter. Um, Paul Maurice said a couple of days ago, Listen, for the first 20 games, we split it. Now we want to see somebody get on a roll. Well, it's definitely not Bob getting on a roll because he looked absolutely terrible the other night in Calgary. He did not look good in Columbus. Um, He's given up four more goals, I think, in four of his last five starts. Um, You know, and you can't blame defensive breakdowns or anything like that. He just hasn't been very good. Um, So I don't know what's going on there. Um, but Spencer Knight has been very solid in that. He's given the Panthers a chance to win every night, which is the goal of your goalie. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think Spencer Knight goes tonight. I think he goes Saturday night, and I think he goes Tuesday night in Winnipeg. I think Spencer Knight is the guy right now, um, and we're going to try and see what Bob can do to work his way back into it. Now, I don't think that's a permanent thing. When you've got a guy making $10 million, it's not a permanent thing. But you've got to play the guy that gives you the best shot to win, and Sergei Bobrovsky right now is not that guy. The looming specter over all of this is the contract. Uh, how do you yeah. think that that gets resolved, if it can be resolved? I don't think it can be resolved. I mean, uh, you, you can't trade him. He's got a no-movement clause. Even if you did, even if you found a, a team that 
you know, so if you found a team, you're going to probably have to eat five million of that ten million cap hit anyway, um, which is you know I guess you know five millions is five million. I think you know, listen, it was a it was a seven year deal that was basically a five year contract wrapped in a seven year deal. It's 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 buyoutable after next season, um, where it's not too bad on the wallet. Uh, a lot of the money is paid up front, uh, you know, so most of the money will have been paid by the end of next season. So, um, you know, it, it hasn't worked out so far, um, but, you know, obviously things can change. Goalies are a quirky bunch. They can get their get things back on, a, you know, drop of a hat. So we'll see if Sergei Bobrovsky can do that. Forgive me if you've already answered this, but is Barkov going to play tonight? Because I know he didn't start with the Panthers on the road trip yeah. because of an illness. Um, yeah. I heard there was talk that he might fly to Vancouver for tonight's game. Do you know where that stands? I don't. I haven't heard. Nobody's told me. Uh, I've sent out some texts, no answers, whether he's on the plane or not. Um, he would obviously, you know, fly commercial. Uh, or, uh, yeah, maybe Mr. Viola gave him a plane. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I have not heard. So we'll we'll know in a couple hours when the Panthers are on the ice at uh, Rogers Arena for morning skate if uh, Sasha Barkov is there or not. George, great catching up with you again. Thanks for doing Absolutely. this today. Absolutely. Always good talking to you guys. Be good. All YouTube, right. thanks. Take care, George. That's George Richards from Florida Hockey Now here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Hey, Mike, did you hear... Did you hear that BC's best hockey store, The Hockey Shop, mm-hmm. has moved to Langley, where you're going to find bigger departments and better parking, centrally located just off Highway 1 near the Langley Event Center. I did hear that, and I'm very excited about it. I hear it's centrally located. Yeah, better parking, too. Nice. Bigger departments. Um, I want to go back to the uh, FIFA World Cup in Qatar here. There's a lot going on in these two matches. So... For those of you that uh, are unaware, Canada and Morocco and Belgium and Croatia kicked off at the exact same time this morning, 7 o'clock. It's the final game of the group stage. FIFA designed this so that there's no collusion. There's no seeing what other teams are doing in their matches and then altering your strategy accordingly. The matches are supposed to go on at the same time. Through the first 18 minutes in each match, wildly eventful. Canada surrendered the most egregious goal of the tournament, the biggest blooper, the biggest gaff, the biggest howler in the fourth minute when the goalie, Emilian Borian, took a back pass. Instead of just thumping it up the pitch and trying to get it into safety, he took a very heavy touch. The Moroccans jumped on it, put it into an empty net. They have a win, 1 0 lead in a match that is crucial, crucial for them. Win might see them win the group. A win might see them win this group. And now Canada, who went into this match talking about how they still had pride on the line and a point to prove and something to get out of this match, are going to have to fight to get that goal against a Moroccan team that, as of right now, has everything they want from this match. Canada gave it to them on a platter. In the other match, Belgium and Croatia, Croatia were awarded a penalty in the 18th minute. It looked as though Belgium, for the second time in three matches, was going to have an early penalty against them. Remember... Canada had one in the 10th minute. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. It was the same guy that gave up the penalty as well, Yannick Carrasco. But the penalty was overturned on VAR because Croatia was offside in the lead-up to the penalty. So it wasn't the penalty was reversed. Oh, okay. It was that they were offside. So there's a lot going on here. Um, I'm going to say this. Canada has a lot, underscore a lot, of work to do here because that was 
I mean, can you say you, you've watched a lot of the World Cup? It's embarrassing, man. It's an embarrassing moment. Yeah, this soccer report is brought to you by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way. While we've got a few minutes, mm-hmm. let's talk about yesterday's action because that was really fun watching what happened yesterday at the World Cup. Um, start with the Australians, who are the first confirmed Cinderella yep. into the round of 16. I don't actually know if there's any other good candidates to be as as, as Cinderella-y. Costa Rica. As the, yeah, no, I guess, yeah, yeah, they've still got a chance. Um, Somehow. Australia shocked Denmark, which might be the most disappointing team of the tournament. So far, the Danes are the most disappointing. Uh, the victory sparked wild celebrations down under, where it was the middle of the night. It was like four in the morning. In Melbourne, I think. Yep. Uh, Australia is ranked 38th in the world by FIFA, just ahead of Canada, which is at 41. Uh, the Aussies did make it to the round of 16 in 2006, where they were beaten by Italy. That was ne- like, sorry, not to interrupt, but um, that was like a golden generation team for Australia in yeah. 06. Mm-hmm. Uh, Viduca, Cahill, Kuhl. Those, those were all your Leeds boys, wasn't yeah, it? They yeah. They had a number of not just really good. Uh, players, but re- like they performed really well in the yeah. Premier League. This Australian team that is qualified here, all due respect to them, they're not good. Yeah, they're that- really not. And they got hammered by France four one in the opener. But to their credit, resiliency mm-hmm. and the ability to scratch and claw. And you know what they did? They tightened up defensively after they got blown out by the just, French. Just tighten it up. Just tighten just, it up. Just That's it. A little tighter. Just tighter. They got blown out by France in the opener. They got sliced apart, not unlike how Canada got sliced apart by Croatia. Really, same scoreline, same idea. Mm-hmm. They were on a different plane, a different class. But in the other matches, Australia did what it took tactically and found a way to not shoot themselves in the foot, capitalize on the few chances that they had, and now they were plus 500. They were a huge long shot to get out of that group. Well, good luck to them now because now they'll have to face Argentina. Their, their tournament is a success, though. Yeah. Right? Um Mexico's is not for the first time since 1990 when they were banned from the World Cup because I think they had some overage players playing. I don't know. Who cares? It was a long time ago. They were banned. Mexico will not be part of the round of 16 at the World Cup. Mexico just missed getting out of the group. All they needed was one more goal against Saudi Arabia, and it was fascinating to watch awesome. both games at the same time. You had Saudi Arabia versus Mexico. Meanwhile, you had Argentina and Poland. Uh, They ultimately couldn't get that extra goal against Saudi Arabia, and that meant Poland went through to the round of 16 for the first time since 1986 when the tournament was hosted in Mexico. And as a result of that, the Mexican coach, he either said, I'm done, or he was fired, or he knew he was fired. Regardless, there will be a new coach for Mexico. Um, Canada's now down 2-0 to Morocco. <laughs> oh, man. Womp, womp, you didn't womp. hear Mike sigh while you were talking there, Jason? No, I, I was reading off some notes. I, exasperated. I, I, I don't know the Polish uh, national team history off, uh, you know, like by heart. Um, what happened on this one? Just a long ball over the top over Kamal Miller, and Morocco comes in and scores right through Borjan. Borjan's mm-hmm. having an absolute nightmare of a match right now. Absolute nightmare. Yeah, he probably could have had that one. It's a disappointment. This is this this is a disappointment. 
I, you know, I almost want to. They take, are unglued. I that's, almost want to. I almost want to take the receipts from everyone who got them, and I don't want to make this about me. No, don't drance it. But I do. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, you, I mean, we talked about it yesterday. And you're like, Halford's more disappointed yeah. than than I am, and the reason I'm disappointed is because I've looked around this tournament, and you had the Saudis beating Argentina, you had Japan beating Germany, you had Tunisia beating France, you have Australia going to the round of 16. It is a format and a tournament where you don't have to be better than anybody overall. You have to be better than someone on the day for 90 minutes. You also have Costa Rica, which bounced back from getting beaten 7 nothing. You have by, to have resiliency. Yeah, you have to have resiliency, some resiliency right? And some composure. Well, in tactics, really, mm-hmm. how, does, how does Costa Rica go from losing 7-0 to winning 1-0? You make a bunch of adjustments – and you say, you know what? Yeah, we want to play our brand of football, and we want to play our, with uh, the Costa Rican flair. It's a new Canada. But at the same time, you're in a tournament. You survive in advance. And this is, this is very, very frustrating and very, very disappointing to watch go on. And I'm, I'll leave it at that. We've got a lot more to get to. Halford Brown. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. This is what you always do. What? This soccer report was brought to you by Certainty, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainty Pro all the way. It's great to see you passionate. I appreciate it's you. It's great to see I you passionate. I appreciate you. Uh, but we still got to take care of business. Yeah, What's I, coming up next? Uh, we've got Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Canucks, next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, and then at 8 o'clock, Frank Cervalli as we'll whip around the NHL ahead of a busy night. There's going to be 11 games on the slate tonight, including the Canucks and Panthers, 7 o'clock from Rogers Arena. Lots more to get to. Don't go anywhere. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. Seven thirty-one on a Thursday, Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, hour two of this program, halfway through. Not a great start to the hour. We've got uh, Canada down two 0 to Morocco through thirty-two minutes in what has just been a debacle of a start for the Canadians in their final match at the 2022 World Cup from Qatar. Uh, hour two of this program will feature Brandon Batchel. He's going to join us in just a minute here. Uh, Halford & Bruff Hour 2 is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle. You get paid. Uh, the Canucks are in action tonight, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. The Florida Panthers are in town. It is Hall of Fame night for the Sedins and Roberto Luongo. Joining us to break it all down. Uh, play-by-play voice of those Vancouver Canucks, Brandon Batchelor here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Batch. How are you? I'm well. How are you guys? We're okay. You watching Canada? <laughs> I, I've had an eye on it this morning while uh, chasing a two-year-old around the house. So uh, I've seen that it's uh, not been a great start. And, you know, I know people had some expectations going into this match about Canada 
trying to be able to get a result. But I think the reality here is that this means the whole lot for one team and, and maybe not quite as much for the other as Canada has been eliminated. And you've kind of seen, I guess, a bit of that desperation from Morocco early, but also Canada making some some mistakes and gifting them some opportunities. Let's just go to the hockey. I don't. You know what? I don't. Even want, I don't. I don't even want. I don't want to do this. I've got an hour and a half left before I can fully comprehend exactly what's going on in front of me. The hockey's a little bit more easy to digest, and it's a little bit more straightforward. This is so weird to see you like this because it's normally me that's openly frustrated about the Canucks. It's or, like Freaky Friday, but on yeah. A Thursday. Um, so batch. Uh, Tonight's game against the Florida Panthers, it does feel like the Canucks are in a bit of a holding pattern in terms of off-ice stuff, um, like the coach and trades. Mm-hmm. You know, Bruce Boudreaux is still the coach. They they seem to be a little hamstrung with their ability to make trades. But the biggest off-ice decision that was made was to put Roberto Luongo into the ring of honor and not have his number retired really um, – polarizing decision. Some people think it's the right call. Some people cannot believe that Luongo will not have his number retired. It's kind of poetic that Roberto Luongo, which who caused, you know, so much sports debate in this city over almost a decade, um, and that he continues to cause this debate. Where do you side on this? Do you think he's a ring of honor guy or would you like to see his number in the rafters? I would like to see his number in the rafters, but I'm not surprised that he's going into the ring of honor because I think if they were going to retire his number, they had plenty of opportunity to do it prior to now. Um, You know, he has gone into the Hall of Fame this year, so I think it's good that he's going to be recognized by the organization for the huge impact he had during his time here. And, you know, to me, he's the best goaltender in franchise history. You could argue he's a top five goaltender of all time. Um, and that, you know, he's the only Hockey Hall of Fame goaltender in the history of the franchise. To me, those are all things that are deserving of uh, him being in the rafters, and one of the main arguments I've seen against his number being retired is, well, you know, there's too many numbers retired for a team that doesn't have a Stanley Cup or doesn't have any, you know, team success to that level to this point, to which I would say, you know, you shouldn't, punish Luongo if you want to call it punishment I mean he's still being recognized and his his name will still be up at the top of Rogers Arena going forward it just won't be on a banner hanging next to the Sedins and and all the rest of the numbers the Canucks have retired but you know to me he he absolutely has to be there and and even if you made the criteria tighter for for who you wanted to retire numbers for, Luongo would meet that criteria. So just because there are a lot of numbers up there already, to me personally, isn't a strong enough argument to say that Luongo shouldn't be there because he absolutely deserves it. For my money, he's absolutely the best goaltender in franchise history. He's one of the best goaltenders in the history of the NHL. And he took your team within one game of winning the Stanley Cup. So, you know, I know Kirk McLean did that as well. But to me, I I would put him up there. But, uh, you know, I think maybe strained relations with the organization after the way he left and the cap recapture and all that, maybe playing a factor in this, which is disappointing because Pavel Bure's exit wasn't clean either. And yet uh, the organization found a way to honor him properly eventually. Does it make it a bit awkward tonight when the Luongo Luongo and the Sedins uh, 
are going to be honored for getting in the Hall of Fame. There's going to be a ceremony at Rogers Arena before the Canucks-Panthers game, and yet you've got this debate that's hanging over everything. I imagine Luongo and the Sedins are going to do media, and he's going to be asked about this, and he's going to have to be, and I'm sure he's going to be as diplomatic as he can be, but I wonder if he will ex- express some disappointment in not having his number retired. I doubt he'll express it, whether he has it internally or not, maybe another thing. Um, but, you know, this this has been, a, you know, a, a great year for Roberto Luongo in the sense that he's become a Hockey Hall of Famer already. Um, I think you're right. I think he'll be diplomatic um, if he's asked about it, if, if he does do media here today. And, um, and, you know, as much as internally – you know, I guess there's a chance he feels slighted by it or, or feels like, you know, maybe his number should be in the rafters. Uh, at the same time, I, I don't think he's going to ruffle any feathers and say anything about that publicly. And you would imagine that for them to announce that they're going to do this at a later date, you know, he he will have been notified ahead of time. He will have been aware that this is going to happen. So if he had any serious issues with it, you think he would have raised them behind closed doors before uh, it gets to this point where, you know, it was publicly announced yesterday and, and will be discussed and has been discussed last night and, and today. So you have to think he's he's on board and, you know, when, when it comes to having a, a hockey career, like if, if you put me in Luongo's shoes and somebody wants to put me in a ring of honor, you know, I would be honored by that as well. Um, and, you know, it's not really up to him whether the number goes in the rafters or not. So I, I can't imagine that, that he would be too bothered by it if I try to put myself in his shoes. Mm-hmm. But it's clear that, you know, a number of fans in Vancouver, and I don't think it's just a vocal minority. I think, you know, there's a lot of people in this city that recognize what Luongo did for this franchise and believe his number needs to be up in the rafters. But, you know, it appears that isn't going to be the case here. But it's nice to see him get honored either way. So tonight's game against the Florida Panthers is actually has some similarities to their matchup the other night against Washington. The Panthers, like the Capitals, come in uh, with a not great record. They're below NHL 500. They haven't been playing very well lately. They've got some injury concerns. Uh, Florida will be without Barkov tonight, according to a source, Rick Dollywell. Uh, and... <laughs> The um, the Canucks must see this as an opportunity to get a win, but on the other hand, I hope they saw the Washington game as an opportunity to get a win, and yet they came out really flat. Yeah, and you know, on paper, you would you would probably say that Vancouver should be favored in this game because the Panthers have lost six of their last seven, and the Canucks have won five of their last seven. Uh, but the the performance against Washington was concerning, and. Going into that game, I kind of thought that there might be a letdown for a number of reasons. Number one, it was the first game back after a road trip, and that is a game that has caused this group issues uh, quite a bit over the past couple of years. The other thing is that whenever this team, and you can even think down the stretch last year when you know they were playing well under Boudreaux and they were trying to get back into the playoff fight, whenever there's a game where there's something notable on the line for them. So... You know, last year it was maybe, oh, you've got a chance to, 
you know, move back to within a couple points of a playoff spot or tie the last playoff team or or whatever it might be. Those are the games that the Canucks find a way to lose and they usually have let down performances. And what was on the line the other night against the Capitals? Getting back to 500. And what happened? They had a let down performance. So I don't know if that's just coincidence or if there's a connection there where, you know, this team maybe squeezes the stick a little bit when there's some stakes uh, in a game or if, if they become aware that they've got an opportunity to kind of, you know, in, in this case, claw back to even and, and kind of reset and, and restart after the, the disappointing seven-game losing streak to start the year. But it was not a good enough performance. Uh, defensively, they reverted to some of the bad habits that we saw cost them earlier in the season as opposed to the improved defensive play I thought we saw on the road trip. And the other thing about that game, too, is the Pedersen line didn't have a very good game. Elias was a, a minus five. And that's not something you're going to see. That's kind of one of those one of those games that just happens. So, you know, uh, over the past couple of days, the talk in that dressing room has been a lot, uh, at least to the media, about, you know, we've got to make sure that was a blip. We've got to get back to the way we were playing on the road trip. And I certainly believe that's possible. But at the same time, we've seen things snowball in the wrong direction for this group this year. You know, they've only won three games in a row once, and it was the three-game road trip. So um, they need to find a way to make sure that it was indeed a one-off or something that is not going to be a, a regular part of their game going forward if they want to accomplish some of the things they want to accomplish. And a good way to try and prove that, at least to themselves, in the short term, is to come out and play well against a Panthers team that is clearly struggling and has lost three straight going into the game tonight. They've had some really bad performances at home this season, too. That's concerning. If you, if you go back to the – I mean, the, the home opener against Buffalo was, was bad. Uh, then they were pretty outclassed by both New Jersey and Carolina. Uh, there was the blown lead against Vegas. Uh, they had a 4-2 lead in the third period, and they lost that one. And then most recently, the Washington game. So they've got a losing record at home, and you got to think that that's really frustrating for Bruce Boudreaux to have his team come out flat on so many occasions in front of the fans considering their desperation level for getting back into the playoff hunt. Yeah, you know, it is concerning, and there's been more bad than good on home ice this year, I would say, for the most part. You know, even some of the games they've won, the Anaheim game was certainly not an oil painting with, you know, the number of goals that they gave up. So I'm I'm not sure what it is about home ice not that they've been amazing on the road either by any means you know when you're below 500 in the NHL there there are lots of things with your game that need to be cleaned up but um, you know part of me wonders you know they get away on that road trip uh, you know the distractions of of your normal life or your family life aren't aren't a part of it you're just out there on the road with your teammates focusing on hockey getting ready to play the games you know they had the the team bonding day in Vegas that you know seemed to bring them together based on the way they played against the Golden Knights and um, so you know that that could be part of it or or maybe it's a group that feels a little bit of pressure when they're on home ice and you know all the media are here when you're back in Vancouver and you're getting asked all the questions about your performance and you know the fans have been on them at times this year certainly that home opener comes to mind uh, when they haven't had success so uh, you know maybe that's a part of it but you know it's clear that they haven't been a very good team on home ice. And, and I think the thing you bring up about starting games, uh, you know, and, and struggling to start them well is key too, because, 
you know, in the previous six games before the Washington game, they'd scored the first goal in all six of them, and they'd gone five and one. And for a team that, you know, maybe is a little bit fragile or low on confidence when things don't go their way, getting a lead seems to be so important. And yet, you know, especially you look at the Washington game the other night, they give up a couple of goals early and, you know, they're they're underwater and behind by a couple after the first period. And for any team in the NHL, it's hard to claw back from a situation like that, let alone this Canucks club that has had so much difficulty winning games this year. Batch, do you think we'll see Connor Garland in the lineup tonight? And if not, where do things go from here with Connor Garland? Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting because it looked to me like Jack Studnika had essentially taken his place on that line with the line rushes at practice yesterday. Uh, Besser moved up with Miller and Horvat. Hoaglander moved down to that line. And Garland and Studnika were rotating through uh, the other wing spot, and then Studnika took a couple of shifts in place of Sheldon Dries at center ice during line rushes at practice yesterday. So they have some options there. Um, you know, Studnika, as of right now, I don't believe has been activated from injured reserve, and Boudreaux said yesterday he wasn't sure if Studnika would be available uh, for the game tonight. But at the same time, the hockey club sent Phil DiGiuseppe down yesterday uh, after recalling him for the game against the Capitals because they only would have had 12 healthy forwards after sending Pod Colson down if they hadn't recalled him. But the fact that they are, were willing to send Giuseppe down, I guess it's possible that they just wanted to get him down to play in the game in Abbotsford last night, and they could recall him today to be the extra forward if uh, Stanika can't be activated yet. But, you know, based on the way things went at practice yesterday, I think there's certainly a possibility that Stanika comes off injured reserve, goes back into the lineup, in place of Connor Garland. And for a guy that, you know, I think was pretty good for this team last year, he, you know, had almost all of his points at five on five, was above 50 points, uh, you know, gave them some some good offensive power at times throughout the year. That really hasn't been there this year. What is 15 or 16 games now that he hasn't scored a goal and hasn't really felt like a, a big factor even you know, without the production. And I think Garland is the kind of player that could have a positive impact on your team without producing. Uh, if he can get in on the forecheck, if he can create space and time and get the puck to some of his teammates so that they can create offense, I think that's still a way for him to be effective. But there hasn't been a lot of that lately, and it's been a little bit perimeter for, for my money. And, you know, I think Garland is the kind of player that can get into that trap where, you know, he protects the puck on the outside. We see him do the spin on the boards all the time but you know it's one thing to do that eventually you have to either make a good play so that your team can create a scoring chance or you have to be the one that penetrates the middle of the ice and creates the chance yourself and I don't think we've seen much of that from Garland lately I don't think you know Bruce Boudreaux is necessarily the biggest fan of Garland's game anyway he's already healthy scratched him once this year and you know most recently demoted him down to the third line anyway so you can kind of you know read the tea leaves that if there is a healthy scratch for Garland tonight it may have been coming but we'll have to wait and see we probably won't get an indication from the morning skate today because it's likely to be optional so um you know we'll have to wait and see a whether Besser moves up to that top line because he was there at practice yesterday but Boudreaux said afterwards that he wasn't going to commit to necessarily going with the lineup the way he had deployed it in practice and you know that applies to Besser being on that line and it certainly applies to whether Garland's in the lineup tonight against the Panthers as well 
Batch, thanks for joining us. Enjoy tonight's game. Enjoy Saturday's game. And then enjoy Sunday's game between England and Senegal. Yes, I will be ready for that one. And Halford, hang in there, buddy. Thanks, man. It'll Appreciate get better. It. <laughs> That's Brendan Batch, thanks, Batch here on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. It has gotten slightly better for Canada in their match against Morocco right now. Morocco World scored Cup. another goal. It was offside. No, no, no. Morocco scored oh, another right. goal. Sorry, yes. So Canada's goal was an own goal. Yes. That's what you were talking about. Morocco did actually score another goal on the right net, but it was uh, chalked back for VAR offside. Canada scored again in this tournament, although they didn't. Although they did, but they didn't. Uh, Sam Adekube, former Whitecap, uh, who got the start at left back, in a pretty aggressive move coming down the line, whipped in a sort of shot cross mm-hmm. into the front of the net. Uh, it was deflected home by a Moroccan defender. So Canada's second-ever goal at a World Cup is an own goal for Morocco. <laughs> Point being, um, I hate this, by the way. I hate I hate being emotionally invested in, in something that I'm watching live and reacting live because you know how I react. Yeah, it's kind of freaking me out. I'm not going to lie. You know how yeah, you've seen what like he's like to, This is what he's like to watch games with. It's very different from radio cool, show calm, Halford. and collected Halford. Yeah. You know, well, um, never describe him as that, but <laughs> no. cooler and calmer um, than, but you, than whatever you, we're you seeing know, right you know now. When you, you know when you're watching a game and you have you're, you have an, an investment in it? You're not of course. It. Okay. I'm doing that at work <laughs> while I'm on the air. So I'm yeah. trying. I'm very consciously trying not to swear. One, <laughs> curse. It seems counterproductive. <laughs> no, but the thing is, is I'm trying not to like really a hyperbolic overreaction because mm-hmm. now I have to come to grips with the fact that if Herdman's faith and belief in this group's resiliency and ability to continue to push forward is real, they have a shot in this match. Yeah. It's two, one going into the break with two awful mistakes by, and one more awful than the other by your goalie. Mm-hmm. So if you do have this belief in the squad and to be quite honest, I've seen them play significantly better than this. That's probably why I'm mostly frustrated. Can we just get that out there? Yep. This isn't like, oh, Halford had unrealistic expectations. <laughs> Halford's, this is mostly just, I've seen them, and you watched a bunch of the games in qualifying too. Well, they watched the Belgium game And the Belgium too. game. Like, this is a far cry from that, right? Yeah. They're going to be disappointed with these performances if they don't get a result out of today. They're going to they're going to be disappointed with their performance against Croatia, yeah. and they'll be disappointed uh, about this one if – they don't perform well in the second half, but we still do have, have the, the second, second half. That's the beauty of this, right? I mean, they could come out like gangbusters and put – like Jonathan David is available to be substituted in. Yeah. I imagine he'll get on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, they've still got a couple options off the bench, including Ismail Kone. I imagine he'll get it. They could still theoretically put Atiba Hutchinson in, right? You know, what, Andy, what we should do? We should try and get Halford like really invested in a conversation about a Connor Garland healthy scratch and see if he can even, <laughs> yeah, like, like if he can muster any energy or passion whatsoever for. I that don't even debate. care who goes in for him. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. What? How have you felt about Jack Stanika's game? You know what? I, you so know, far. If there's a number two passion of mine, it's Jack Stanika. <laughs> So I'm pretty excited that he's going to get to go in. What's his nickname? Is it Studsy? Is it just Studs? Now, now, Halford, uh, Boudreaux's decision possibly to go back to Riley Stillman and uh, Kyle Burrows coming out of the lineup. How do you feel about that? I have been up countless nights, sleepless mm-hmm. nights, saying, <laughs> why? Why? 
Can they not find an adequate third yeah, pair Halford defenseman? Halford sleep Stillman. Stillman. <laughs> Stillman. It's got to be Burroughs. I'm on internet forums. Yeah. I found one on like the dark web. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm into this. I'm, I'm emotionally invested. Here, here's a question I do have for you. Sure. Go ahead. Um, and I probably should have, we should, probably should have kept Batch around for this discussion because he's an England supporter as well. Yep. We normally go into these World Cups or even the Euros heavily invested in England's performance. Yeah. England is through. To the round of 16, they had two solid performances. They they blew out Iran, and mm-hmm. they took care of business against Wales. They had one uh, dour performance, as they call it in football, against the Americans yes. where they drew nil-nil. But overall, very successful uh, group stage for England. They will play Senegal. What's your excitement level for this? Because it should be big. Like It should, in a normal tournament, you'd be like, Okay, if they can beat Senegal, and I realize that's not an easy win, but if they can beat Senegal, they maybe have a they have maybe have a quarterfinal match against France, yeah. which would be incredible. Yeah, if they can get past Senegal, which by the way will not be an easy task. That's one of the more spirited teams in this in this tournament, right? They lost Sadio Mane, they rallied. It looked at times that they maybe weren't going to get out of that group. Mm-hmm. They had a great result on the final day. But still, right? Like this potential England, for, so for anyway, a match against France so, in the quarterfinals so, of the World Cup. So what I'm saying is if they get past Senegal, that's when the excitement level for, I think, a lot of people, including myself, will really ratchet up. It will, though? Like yeah. It, yeah. Your, your disappointment over Canada's performance won't be a hangover for that? Yeah, I was excited about the World Cup, period. Because like, a lot of people in, in Vancouver have their own um, – nation that they cheer for at these tournaments and this one has been so different because Canada has been part of it so our focuses have been on Canada and not so much our secondary teams but now that Canada's out of it will our excitement for our secondary teams and I realize a lot of people support Italy in Vancouver and they're not even at the World Cup but for the people they chose not to participate they chose not year. to participate yeah. yeah I think they were banned will you cheer for Australia if they're still in it in England yes not? I'll get behind Australia because kind of uh, Australia Australia's uh, easy Australia's going to be out that, real soon but, but, but let's an, pretend they aren't but that's an easy one to get behind because they shouldn't be there and yeah. that's the the best Cinderella of them all will I'll, the tournament still be exciting for you absolutely after this? Okay. absolutely without question by the way you know how we talk about um not when you experience something new as a sports fan, and you're mm-hmm. kind of like, "Oh, this is my life now, moving forward." Right. Um, you got to remember, for us, England semifinalists at the 2018 World Cup, finalists at the 2020 Euro. That's never happened in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And then Canada made the World Cup. That's never really happened in my lifetime. I, mean, I was six when they made it right. in '86. Um, so that my my fandom and the following of England has dramatically been altered the last four years because they've actually got to the places where they've <laughs> never got before. Yeah. So like beating Senegal in the round of 16, I feel like that's going to happen because this, for, you know, I'll say what you will about Southgate. Yeah. Say what you will about Southgate. Yeah. He knows how to manage. He knows how to manage tournaments. Yeah. Right. He understands. And this is important that a gross nil, nil draw <laughs> Where Harry well, Harry Maguire's your best player? One of the grossest games I think it I've was watched. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Um he understood that that was exactly what they needed in the moment in that result. Right? There was no we need to go forward and show everyone what the three lions are about. Mm-hmm. We're, they, there was no we need to be on the front foot and take the match to the Americans. You take what's given and you you survive in advance. Yes. And you that's get a really point it. out of it. And you and you move to the next one, right? Oh, Laddie's yelling at me to please break. 
Why are you yelling at me, lad? Why are you? you you've been in a you've been in a you've been foul in a snit, mood, a snit all morning. All because morning. I was that yelling. I politely went in your ear and said, "It's time for." He break. swore at me. <laughs> he swore at me. I th- yeah, the, he swore at me too. Yeah, he kicked me under the. Do table. you know the other day he shoved me? I know. Did you hear <laughs> what I, I say I to Andy that. about you guys behind <laughs> the scenes? Oh, no, can't even repeat it. Uh-huh. Next up, human resources for you, my good friend. Okay, uh, we got to go to break. We're going to come back. Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff is going to join us. We'll whip around the NHL. Get into the, some of, some of these stories that we have not uh, thus far. Hour three of the program coming up. Don't go anywhere. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650.